1: as doing important lawyerly things tonight, so he can't join us. And I am joined by the lovely Stacy Gatsoulias.
2: Hey, everyone.
1: Hello, Stacy.
2: You did that intro very well. I don't know what you were worried about.
1: Oh no, the whole uh, yeah. Well, okay. So today <laughs> we have <laughs> we ha- we have some fun stuff to talk about. You know, since we when we last recorded two weeks ago, um, I think we were both kind of down on the Yankees, all, all, even all three of us with Dominic, right? I mean, we were all they, they had just lost what. Four out of five, and the Blue Jays had, sur- had surged ahead of them. And uh, it's been a—it's—it's it's actually been a pretty good two weeks. The yeah. Yankees are eight and four. Um, they are still one and a half games back because uh, the Blue Jays have also been pretty good. But you know, going into the series with the Blue Jays, the Yankees are in striking distance, though.
2: Yeah, it's kind of funny when you said they were eight and four. I was like, wow. It's why does it seem like they've been so much worse in the past two weeks? <laughs> I mean, it's not like I haven't watched. It just. I think uh, the last two games have left a sour taste in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, the, the Baltimore series was rough. Ugh. Um,
1: but the you know the uh, I, I think all the Yankees needed was like a good dose of playing the Atlanta Braves, right? Like that's that's exactly that's a slump buster right there, right? That's all you need just to, to get back on your feet.
2: Yeah, speaking of, ugh, they are awful this oh, year.
1: God, I mean, I mean, the they should be able to pitch at least, right? And the Yankees just teed off on them.
2: Ugh. You know, I saw them uh, when I was in Baltimore in July. I saw Baltimore play the Braves, and they just were awful. They couldn't hit. They couldn't do anything. They were popping up the ball, like, all game. And I think they finally scratched across a run in, like, the seventh. Then the O's tied it in the bottom of the ninth, and then they won on a Chris Davis home run, of course, in the bottom of the 11th. So the game was like 2-1, but neither team could hit that night. It was hilarious.
1: Yeah, it makes you think that, like, it makes you wish that, that Shelby Miller doesn't care about wins, because the guy is like a 2.8 ERA and hasn't won a game since, you know, May or whatever it is. Right. Um, so uh, so that was a great series, and, and the Yankees are about to start a uh, pretty crazy series in, in, in Toronto uh, against Toronto. Yeah. Um, they were rained out today, so they'd be playing right now while while we're recording. If uh, this is Thursday night, uh, if they uh, if they kept going, but now we're gonna have a a, a crazy single admission double header on uh, on Saturday.
2: Yeah, a lot of people are. Um, well, first, a lot of people didn't realize that with a single admission double header, that the second game starts a half hour after the first game ends.
1: A half hour, damn. That's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's great. I love that.
2: That's oh, the first two games I ever attended were single admission doubleheader against the Blue Jays, funnily enough. Um, April, April, August 8th, 1983. <laughs> and uh, Ron Guidry pitched a complete game, and I think the second game, but nice. yeah, it's 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 a long, exhausting day though.
1: Yeah, I can believe it.
2: Yeah, if you're, you have to be prepared for watching that much baseball. But I would recommend if you have a chance to go to a single admission doubleheader and you never have been, you should try it.
1: Yeah, I wish, I wish, I if I were in the New York area, I would absolutely go to that game. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since it's not just a single admission doubleheader, but it's a single admission doubleheader possibly to decide a pennant race, like, like yeah. a, a division race. That's exactly. awesome.
2: Yeah, it's not like they're playing, you know, the last place team or the last place Blue Jays, like they've been in the last how many years like it actually like you said this means something so it could be a disaster
1: (laughs) yeah i mean the yankees could very easily come out of this you know out of this series tied with the blue jays or or in the division lead Mm -hmm. um so here's the pitching matchups we got right here right so let's talk about these these one by one we've got Luis severino going up against david price uh i'm this game I, i think i'm nervous about um
2: that happened in toronto Right, and yep. that was the game where Beltron lost the ball in the sun.
1: Yeah, it was like Severino's second start, I think.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and Severino pitched really well against the Blue Jays. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he held them in line. Um, but still, God, I don't want to go up against David Price.
2: I don't know. I'm not worried about – I'm actually more worried about Sunday's matchup than David Price.
1: Well, we'll get to that in a second. So Severino yep. against Price. Um, you know, Hopefully the Yankees – at least the Yankees are facing a lefty. If you're going to face an ace, the Yankees want to face a lefty at this point. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, you'll have Alex Rodriguez in that lineup. You'll have Chris Young in that, in, the, in that lineup. Uh, so that should be interesting. And then we've got the doubleheader. We've got the first game of the do- doubleheader. We think we're not a, we're pretty sure in this, but these are just for some, for, from some, uh, beat writer tweets. The game was just canceled recently. Uh, Ivan Nova coming, going up against Marco Estrada. This is going to be a fun game. This going to be some, some runs scored in this game. <laughs> Um, Marco Estrada, you know he's he's having a decent season. He's got an ERA in the low threes, but you can hit a home run off Marco Estrada, and left-handed hitters can hit a home run off Marco Estrada, and left-handed hitters can hit home runs in Yankee Stadium. Uh, so I, I I'd bet on on uh, on on some runs being scored, which should be nice. It's it's too bad Mark Teixeira, um, you know, is out injured because that, that would be his game. Yeah, it's um, bad.
2: It's too bad that Mark Teixeira can't walk. Yeah. He like literally can't walk.
1: Yeah, I mean, terrible timing for the injury. Um, but um, so you know, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm curious how the Yankees roll their lineups out for these two for these games because so you got Nova versus Estrada in the morning and Pineda against Marcus Stroman coming back in the afternoon. And Stroman is a wild card if there ever was one. Um, kind of my favorite little fact about Stroman um, is he's been compared to. A young Pedro Martinez in a lot of ways. One is that he's very smart. He's widely recognized as smart. When he had when he when he hurt his ACL uh, this season, he decided to uh, to go back to school and finish his degree. Mm-hmm. And if you, he's a small guy like Pedro. I think he's like five ten, if that's his official size. Um, but if you look at his pitches on Pitch FX and you measure them by velocity and movement, and there's there's some correlation with velocity and movement and just how good the pitch is, how hard it is to hit. Um, he has two or three of the best pitches in the game. Um, and the last player you know in the pitch FX era to throw a, a changeup as, as, as well as he has by pitch FX is Pedro Martinez. Um, oh boy. I mean, this guy, uh, Stroman's got some stuff. And even though he had a he had a kind of a crappy first start, he said stuff was there and he felt great. So that could be a scary game. It could also be a game that the Yankees score fifteen runs, right? Like that. That would be that would be a great second game of the doubleheader to knock Stroman out in like the third inning. Um, even though it's you know it's September, so there'll, there'll be some arms around, but still that uh, that that should be exciting. But hmm. um, so I don't know. I don't know how the Yankees. You know, they, they got, you're going up against two righties. Um, so you know, it's it's difficult to, to say if we should. You know, if you know McCann should. Should you know catch the first game, or if a Rod should, should should DH both games? So that's going to be an interesting interesting situation because you know unlike a day night doubleheader, there's no break in there, right? Uh, they're going to tire the hell out of some of those guys. <laughs> um, so that that will be fun. And uh, Pineda, you know, looked a little bit better the last time out. I mean, I know he scored, he gave up some runs, but I'm, I'm reasonably confident against Pineda. I think he's been a little unlucky this season.
2: I would agree with that.
1: Um, so that, that's going to be a great game. I mean, that game, you, you, the Yankees, let's say the Yankees win the first game and they're down half a, you know, half a game. Um, you know, you could come out of that game up a game and a half. I think it is right. Um, uh, over the blue Jays, that would be pretty cool. Uh, so that, that's going to be fun. I wish I could watch it. I'll be at a wedding. So I'm not going to be able to watch that, be <laughs> able to watch that live. And then I guess you kind of have the, the marquee matchup. I know price isn't in it, but Tanaka going up against the Yankees nemesis, R.A. Dickey. Ugh. I do not want to watch, I do not want that, that game. No. Dickie and, had, had just destroyed the, the Yankees last time.
2: <laughs> I might actually be there in person. Having really? watched this. Nice. Old. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I have to be there for a rods 3000 hit ceremony.
1: Oh yeah. I forgot. Nice. Yeah.
2: So, um, maybe I'll leave after the ceremony. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, you should tweet him and, uh, <laughs> invite him on the podcast. You'd be um, like, I'm here. David Cone said good things about you with uh, you know with uh, in a tweet uh, CC to a Rods. So.
2: That is true. I I wrote something the last time the Yankees faced uh, Dickey about how terrible they are against the knuckleball. Or no, it was probably the time before that because it was early August, mm-hmm. um, and they were just. Jesus, like really (laughs) terrible. Yeah, I mean, they're one of the worst
1: teams in the league against the knuckleball.
2: Yeah, and and it's been this way since 2009. Like, they're just awful.
1: That's too bad. I mean, maybe it's just like a certain style of hitting or, or something. But
2: but the thing I don't like about it is it feels like whenever they face a knuckleball pitcher, they're screwed up for like two days. Yeah, I mean, you had
1: that stretch, you know, last month where they faced what, like, three knuckleballers and six starts or something like that.
2: It was him and Wright and, and uh, him again. Him again. Yeah. yeah. Ugh.
1: Yeah, that's. <laughs> I, I mean, that's. I, I don't know what you do at that point. I mean, may, maybe, maybe you maybe you bring out the September call
2: ups for that game, you know, and is see. Phil, uh, is Phil Necro still alive? Can he come around and like throw batting passes?
1: He <laughs> <laughs> could probably strike some guys out still. Yeah. He's Still around. Um, let's see. Is Phil Necro still alive? Let's see here. Thank you, For, well. He's still alive. He's 76 years old.
2: Okay. He could probably still throw the knuckleball and throw it well.
1: Yeah, really. <laughs> um, uh, have you ever seen, have you seen the documentary? I think it's on Netflix of, um uh of uh, called knuckleballer. Or knuckleball, And I um, heard it was really, really good. It's excellent. Yeah. Uh, it's a little, it's already Dickey was kind of like at the height of his game when it was filmed. So he was kind of like, pumped up a little higher than I think he probably should have been mm-hmm. um but uh he's a charismatic guy you know Tim Wakefield is, an, is a nice guy and they had this whole brother like you know constructed for TV but brotherhood of the knuckleball like dinner that was kind of <laughs> cool to watch um it feels like we have more knuckleballers in the league now than we had in we've had in recent memory but um uh so that's interesting so yeah. we have we have that marquee matchup we have um uh, Tanaka who you know he's coming off a pretty good start uh you know again he's been allowing runs but um Tanaka has been uh, pretty much like the definition of Ben don't break this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with Nadia Evaldi out, I, th- I think he's the no brainer pick right now. In fact, the only pick oh, yeah, we for, for, for a tiebreaking game,
2: um, which you was, know, it seems to find out about Eval- Evaldi.
1: Yeah. Oh, he's that's, that, I guess, I guess that's happened since we last podcasted too. Mm-hmm.
2: And then that would, that would explain why his last two starts were kind of iffy.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder. I hope the Yankees are just being cautious. I hope it's like a Tanaka situation where mm-hmm. the Yankees are very aggressive with these elbow injuries and they say, all right, you got a little bit of elbow so- soreness, sit down for four weeks. Hopefully, it's that. I, I long term, I'm worried Nadia Ovaldi all of a sudden goes down with Tommy John surgery. Yeah. And, you know, we were relying on him to eat innings for the Yankees for a long time. Um, and another guy who's probably been a little unlucky this season or the Yankee defense has just been terrible or both. Um, So that's, that's, that's going to be a problem. Um, But that should be, you know, that should be a good, a good series. I'm excited. I, I, um, I'm, I'm hoping A-Rod keeps up with this, this home run pace. You know, he's, he's, he just hit number 30. He's now the uh, only, only one of two pitchers to hit 30 home runs, I think, in 15 seasons up there with Hank Aaron. Um, And, you know, let's, let's make it 35. Come on.
2: I would like 35. That would be pretty Fantastic considering everyone had him buried before spring training.
1: And considering that you know Teixeira's out, and Teixeira might not be coming back anytime uh, this season, for all we know. They, they seem pretty worried.
2: Yeah. Um, the Yankees did a, a video that's going to be, I think, on Yes On Demand. Uh, they were showing little clips of it, but some of the players played family feud against each other.
1: Really? I heard about this, so how was it?
2: Uh from what I saw it was pretty funny. They haven't put the video up, but they showed like short little clips and they had a stool for Teshara cuz he couldn't stand. <laughs> that's, so, that's that'll weird. just show you how he's doing right now cuz he like you know, he stood up um you know when it's the one-on-one and they have to press the buzzer. Um he was standing up but he limped back to the other guys he was playing with and yeah, he had to sit down. And I believe he was on the same team as Greg Bird.
1: Well, I mean, if there's a, if there's a saving grace or a silver lining, it's that Greg Bird has stepped in and been pretty good. Yeah, um,
2: he's perfectly fine.
1: Yeah, and, and you know he's been worse than Teixeira, but he hasn't been that much worse than Teixeira. Right. They haven't so far felt it. Now, if there's an open, it's an open question of whether or not Greg Bird will continue. To hit, uh, you know, I like got a 114 OPS plus, right? That's we're not sure right now. It's only been 24 games, but that's about what we can expect Greg Bird to hit right now, given his minor league track record. Yeah, uh, maybe even a little bit better. So, um, I I don't think it's I don't think it's drastic. Um, obviously, we'd like to have to share a back, but um, you know, the Yankees are perfectly okay right now, and and you know, he gives them another one of those power left handed bats that it's going to be useful, you know, in Yankee Stadium down the stretch against all these righties. Um, so that that's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be a fun series. Can uh, can I
2: throw you a curveball for a second?
1: Throw, throw me a knuckleball,
2: Stacey. Okay, because we didn't discuss this in the pre-show. Of the pre-production round of, meeting to make it sound pre- official? Yes, <laughs> that's what I meant. The pre-production meeting. <sighs> Speaking of minor leaguers and you know the rosters expanding and all these different players. Okay. Who whose cornflakes did Rob Ref Snyder piss in? <laughs> Now, you know, I understand, you know, it's not like he's a savior. Like, I'm not one of those people who are like, oh, my God, why aren't they playing him? This is ridiculous. Blah, blah, blah. But what what happened where I mean, they're not even subbing him into garbage time.
1: I mean, I, I don't... Why is he even there? I don't think he... I, I, I get the comments like he pissed people off during his four-game stand. I, I Unless it happened behind the scenes, we didn't see anything all that drastic. No,
2: it didn't seem like anything was wrong when he was up.
1: Um, yeah, like people have been trying to like read tea leaves into the into like his one statement to the media right before he went down. And there, there's nothing really all that serious there. I think, I think he just hasn't been that good. Okay. I mean, look, Stephen Drew since May first or whatever, whenever you draw the line, has been on a, like a, an above-average major league second baseman. He can play mm-hmm. defense. We know this. We know Rob Snyder is not going to be a good defensive player. Um, and you know, Stephen Drew, he's hitting. I mean, he, he's been. He's got. Well, he's got like thirty. What is he third on the te- on the team in home runs? I think or fourth.
2: Yeah, he's somewhere up there. Um,
1: yeah, you know, he's not. You know, the the batting average is still low, right? The batting line is two hundred five, two seventy three. 664. Hey,
2: hey, he got up above 200 and he hasn't dropped down yet. So, you know, it took him a while to get there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and he's no, he, he on the season as an aggregate. He is an above replacement play, level player. Mm-hmm. And I'm not too sure that, that Robert F. Snyder is that right now, given how he hit it at AAA. But also at the same time, I mean, it, over the last one, well, let's see, second half, 250, 306, 427, June two thirty three ten five fourteen July 240, uh, 45, 3.15, 4.08. August two forty seven three twenty one four twenty five I mean the guy can hit you know this this is in what what he's been doing since the beginning of June or whenever you want to cut the date off is is career average Stephen Drew line
2: it's perfectly fine like and, everyone and he can play defense at, right except for last night but well. that's he just had one of those games that was. Um, by the way, he's fourth in home runs behind uh, Tex a rod McCann. He has seventeen on the year. and
1: tosha is not on the field. So it's like it, it's right. he he's a, I think he's a decent player. And you know, Brendan Ryan, you know say all you want about Brendan Ryan. He hasn't been bad this season. The Yankees yeah. haven't been burned for playing him. Whether or not he's a good bet going forward, you know, that's that's another thing. But you know, the guys, you know he's not hitting, but he's playing good defense, and he's a replacement player at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, which is probably what you'd expect from ref Snyder. So I think, I think it's stupid. The, the, these concerns, um, if ref Snyder had been hitting like he did before the call up, I would agree, Mm -hmm. but he's not, he hit, he hit like, he slugged like 400 since, since he got sent back down. Um, it's, it's too bad. And hopefully he goes back to AAA next season and is good again, but there's no reason to give, you know, to force playing time on him at this point. Right. Um,
2: now, I was just wondering because you paid more attention to minor league stuff than I do. And well, I just... the,
1: the interesting minor league story coming up is going to be Gary Sanchez. So Sanchez yep. looks like I think he's back tonight, uh, or would have been, um, with uh, the hamstring from the hamstring injury, and he's going to play at the at the playoffs for Triple A Scranton, and then he's gonna he's gonna be eligible to be called up to the major leagues. And he's been great at Triple A. I think he's your kind of go to pinch hitter, and maybe I don't know how much first base he's played. But maybe, maybe a potential platoon bat with um, with Greg Bird, and that would be interesting because you know that's your your lefty righty thing right there to kind of you kind of recreate market share in the aggregate. Um, so I think that that's the one guy to, do, to keep an eye on uh, on for. It doesn't look like we'll be getting Heathcott. I mean, I'm getting uh, Mason Williams. Mm. Uh, he's, Mason Williams will be going to the Arizona Fall League, but he's he's still injured. Um, so yeah, that that that's the interesting one right there. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think overall, we'll probably talk about this in a later podcast, but now that the minor league season is coming to an end, it's been, it's been a good minor league season, not great, but good minor league season for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to, uh, um, to take a look back at that, but I want to move on. Uh, how do you, Stacey, how do you feel about Ioannis Cespedes for most valuable players?
2: <laughs> I think it's ridiculous. No, um, I'm just enjoying um seeing people losing their minds <laughs> or, you know everything ha- to having to do with the Mets and you know what i get it i mean they basically went into washington and stomped on the nationals balls <laughs> the <last laughs> time. i mean true. no but it's it's true i mean the nationals were up 7-1 in that game the other night and they lost and last night they were up 2 nothing, and then, you know, Strasburg gives up the two-run home run, and then the, the Mets just kept scoring, and I mean, it was...
1: Ugh. The consensus preseason pick for the best team in the National League, Washington Nationals.
2: I picked them to win the World Series, and I'm a so-called ESPN expert, but it was basically, I was, like, guessing, and I was like, oh, all right, everyone's picking, everyone else is picking Washington, and maybe this is finally their year, maybe this is when they finally put it all together.
1: And it turns out that you can't have just one good position player and uh, do well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even if he's Bryce Harper.
2: And my God, I mean, <sighs> Drew Storen. What the hell? The last two games, just oh, awful. I mean, really, it. it I, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, no wonder why Mets fans are acting like they're going to win the World Series because they think they could beat anyone. With the way they played this past week.
1: Well, I mean, it also helps when you're in the National League East. Right?
2: Well, like, well but yeah, I, I, I want to tell them
1: that. I want to play. I, yeah, I know. But, you know, let's, we, we can't spoil their parade too much. We'll have to just beat them in the World Series.
2: Um, I, I, I kind of tried to, and someone didn't really appreciate it. Because I said, <laughs> I wonder how the Mets are going to do against a good team. Because when was the last time they played a good team? Uh yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, I mean and they, they had the, the lost, best
1: record going exactly. down the stretch, right, and the best uh uh schedule going down the uh, the stretch.
2: Well, yeah, because if they're going to be playing all NL East opponents, because that's usually how the s- schedules close out with the uh, except with the Subway Series thrown in the middle there. Um, everyone in the NL East stinks. They're yeah. all
1: awful, and they've got and they've all all gotten worse as the season's gone on. Yeah. Uh, the Phillies, the Phillies started out actually kind of decent on the season and they ended up trading away a bunch of their good players. Miami started out kind of decent and Stanton got injured. Uh the the Atlanta Braves were were horrible to start the year, but they're even more horrible now and then and then, now the Nationals are as bad as
2: any of them. They're just um, they're ter- they're terrible. My god. I mean, you know, and you know people were bitching about Bryce Harper calling out the fans for leaving in the 7th inning, but I mean, he does have a point.
1: Yeah, he has a point, but it's not something I would I would advise him to say to the media.
2: Right, right. right. I mean, in some ways it's kind of like, oh, well, that honesty is refreshing in a way.
1: <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's a there's a line in politics that described this kind of scandal. I forget what it is, but it's a, you know, it, it's it's uh, you know, saying saying what you really mean uh, out loud. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bryce Harper can't slug 700 forever. I'm sorry, it's too bad. Uh it was nice to watch him slug the 700 just as a baseball fan. Um, and having him on one of my fantasy teams, but, Ta-da. um, you know, when Harper stopped hitting a home run every day, the Nationals couldn't win anymore.
2: Right. Um, so the, oh wait, but one other thing in the, was it that game? One of the games, uh, Rendon, who's like one of their better hitters along with Harper that he bunted on a three, one pitch. <laughs> Uh, well, and of so, course, made an out. So that's a Derek Jeter move right there. Um, uh, and, and it was basically like he shot someone. Like the reaction on Twitter when he
1: did that. But coincidental with the Mets' rise and the Nationals' fall was the Mets trading for Joanna Cespedes. Oh yeah, and a lot of people are saying, "Hey, Cespedes is the you know is, is responsible for these Mets. We should vote for him for MVP." So let's think about let's talk about Cespedes real quick. What do you think about Cespedes? Would you if you had a vote, would you vote for him? No. Who would you vote for? I vote for Harper. I, I I think I agree with you. the The problem is, for some dumb reason, uh, beat writers have narrowed their choices to playoff teams. Right? Yes. It doesn't make sense, right? Yes. If I vote for most valuable player, we I mean we could have this talk. We all know this, right? We want to, you know, you, there's a difference between best player and their dumb beat writer definition of most valuable player. Mm-hmm. Nobody, I don't think any of those beat writers would be like, you know, who the best player in the National League is. Yohanis Cespedes? No, it, it's Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is leading the majors in triple slash, right? Like that—that's insane. That—that's—that's that's the real triple crown right there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he is head and he is head and shoulders above any other hitter in the National League, including Cespedes. Um, but if you if you cross him off, right, and then all of a sudden you start eliminating the other non-playoff teams, right? You eliminate Paul Goldschmidt and Joey Votto and Buster Posey. And all these really good players who, you know, were surrounded by shitty players, and so their Mm -hmm. teams didn't make the playoffs, uh, then all of a sudden you're left with uh, the best hitter by war making the playoffs in the National League as Joanna Espin is. Right. But
2: But, (laughs) he's only been there since August 1st. And that's a big, you know, if you're going to be MVP of the league, you should play in that league for the entire season.
1: I, I don't. I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. You know, it's not. It's not like. It's not like Cespedes. I mean, Cespedes is having a really good season.
2: He's not MVP of two months.
1: But he's MV, but look, I'm. I'm just willing to just look the other way and pretend he's been in the National League this whole time. And in fact, I've well, I, 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 I got the wording right here. That too. <laughs> Here's the wording of the BBWA's little extra note. Uh, I'm not sure if this is what's on the ballot, or if this is the the extra letter they send to clarify all these dumb the the, the one dumb MVP fight, like discussion we have every year because there's always going to be one.
2: Well, yeah, usually it's the AL because everyone's always arguing about Trout versus Cabrera. <laughs> and, and, and now, and now, watch,
1: watch They give one to Trout, and he he doesn't even deserve it, and Donaldson gets snubbed this year. Um, I doubt it, but because um, Donaldson's had a crazy year, yeah. Uh, so, but going back to Cespedes, right? Um, this is, this is the quote, right? Um, there is no clear-cut definition of what most valuable means. It is up to the individual voter to decide who was the most valuable player in each league to his team. So if you really wanted to interpret it that way, you could say, well, Cespedes is currently in the National League, and therefore he is the most valuable player. Now, the to-his-team part... Implies that you're considering just the team he's currently on, but I don't really buy that, right? Like, if you were traded from Detroit to to Toronto, David Price, you could still be the most valuable player, David Price, right? Like, Mm. so I mean, I mean, look, I I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a dumb debate, you know? Is he is he? Do we count the first three months of the season? I I think we do. I think he's having a really good season. Now that said, I'm voting for Clayton Kershaw uh, for most valuable player. Um, cause it's most valuable player, not most valuable hitter. And Clayton Kershaw is the best player in the national league, right? Uh, the, the the best player in the national league by a substantial margin. I think he's at seven and a half wins so far, um, as a pitcher and pitchers generally have lower numbers than hitters. Right. And, uh, Cespedes is, is at like 6.1. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm voting for Kershaw, but I don't, I, I wouldn't cry. I wouldn't write one of my like really angry MVP posts that I write every year. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Mount Mike Trout versus Miguel Cabrera. Um, I wouldn't write one of those posts if is won, right? Because I yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's,
2: it's... Well, yeah, it wouldn't be a travesty, but it would just be. <sighs> I mean, there have been other instances where guys have come over and switched leagues and have been lights out for their team for the like CC Sabathia for Milwaukee in the last couple of months of two thousand eight.
1: So, uh, for example, Manny Ramirez got a ton of MVP votes oh, when right. he had that, like the the craziest, like he batted like four hundred with like a nine hundred slugging percentage or whatever it was mm-hmm. down right. the stretch. Um, so that's an example. Sabathia, I th- he got Cy Young vote. Oh, no, I think he got Cy Young votes. Yeah, he did. Um, I, I, th- I think I, I think the league distinction is kind of silly, honestly. Right, like most most. Other sports, or the uh, all of the other sports, they don't give out like separate awards for the different conferences.
2: Um, that's essentially so what the leagues are right now. Just be an MVP for both.
1: Yeah, I do. Hmm. I, I, I think that. I, I mean, I, it's nice to have that's two different awards because it's just more fun
2: that way. That's an interesting debate, though.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's just it, it seems a little silly to me.
2: You know the. I think the same thing for like Cy Young and all that stuff too.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I don't see why you need two. I mean, I, what I would do is I'd expand the ballot so you could still get to recognize a lot of players. Mm. Um, but I, I personally think it's kind of dumb. I, I, I mean, because we have this debate, right? Right? There, are, there are two leagues, but they're not two leagues. There's one baseball league, and there are two conferences that have one, one slightly different rule that we could, we've talked about on this podcast before. So I won't get into it. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I think when Sabathia having the crazy season he had in two thousand eight should be recognized for it. Mm. Um, and
2: even that though that
1: was split between two leagues, I think I think it's worth recognition.
2: I mean, that was really crazy. I mean, you know, um, it, it was like he was pitching every three games, <laughs> every three days, and every time he went out, he was just pitching. It was unbelievable.
1: I mean, if you're going to make an argument based on half a season, that's the half season you want to make the argument about. That right? might
2: be why he can't pitch now. <laughs> uh, well,
1: I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was still really good for three, four seasons after that.
2: Yeah, no, so, I know. I'm kidding. But, um, it was like a delayed reaction. His body was like, uh, "Yeah, once I hit 35, I'm just going to go woo, totally downhill."
1: I think that was more about the hamburgers that he ate, but. Um, no, it's
2: Captain Crunch. Oh, it's
1: Captain Crunch. Okay, yes. Okay, I have a Captain Crunch problem right now. As mm. uh, so I try to fit into my suit for
2: a wedding tomorrow. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, you would vote for Cespinus?
1: I'd vote for Harper, but if I was operating oh. under the dumb distinction of playoff teams only, I'd vote for Kershaw. Ah, right.
2: Okay. All right. All I right. would vote for Harper because he's really good and his numbers are. They made my eyes bug out like a cartoon character. Oh, he's insanely good. Yeah. Um,
1: so moving on, let's. Uh, we're moving on to our closing thoughts. So, Stacy, what do you want to talk about?
2: I knew you were going to do that to me.
1: <laughs> you get to go first. Have fun there.
2: Okay. Now, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the last podcast, but um, in case you've been living under a rock, Kurt uh, Schilling was suspended for the rest of the season by ESPN because he posted really silly anti-Muslim stuff on his Twitter. Uh, Then, I guess, ESPN looked at his Facebook page, and then he got into an email war with the writers at Awful Announcing, and they basically published those emails. And after that happened, ESPN suspended him for the rest of the season and the wildcard game. So uh, when they first took him off the air, they had Jessica Mendoza fill in for him. And that was, it's almost two Sundays ago. Um, and the week before that, she had done had done um, a Cardinals Pirates game. I want to say uh, a midweek game, and you know it was a big deal because it's a woman analyst calling a baseball game, and she did a really good job in that first game. And the second game that she did happened to be Jake Arrieta's no hitter. And during that game, it was Dan Schulman Crock. John Cruck and Jess Mendoza. And the biggest complaint about Sunday Night Baseball this entire season has been the combination of Schilling and Cruck, and how they go off on these tangents where they're talking about the game, but then they're not talking about the game and they're talking about their past and they're talking about what they used to do and just babbling on and on and making it unwatchable. Now, during the Arietta no-hitter... Cruck was so much better because Jess Mendoza was elevating his game, so to speak, and engaging him in actual game speak and um, mm. talking about actual in-game situations and instead of yapping about the past and yapping about accomplishments like Schilling usually does. And... Then this past week, I believe it was Jess Mendoza with Aaron Boone and Boog Shambi. Is that how you say his name? <laughs> and a uh, name. <laughs> Yeah. And again, it was another game that was just so much better without Schilling and without Kruk. And I was talking to my friend Matt about this. I think that when they have a three-person booth and you have a former player in that booth, it can't be someone like Schilling who just likes to talk and likes to brag and because he drags Cruck down. Um, If you're going to have a former player in the booth, I feel like you should have someone like a Boone who wasn't the greatest player and has an appreciation for the game so he won't be bigger than the game that's being broadcast. Does that make sense? Well, he's kind of committed himself to being a broadcaster,
1: too. Kind of right. Like, a, like, John Flaherty is boring, but it's an example.
2: But, exactly. Like, they'll bring up situations about plays that they had been involved in and games that they were involved in, but they won't go overboard in talking about themselves, and I feel like Schilling did that and that he dragged Cruck down with him. And, you know, Jessica Mendoza has been really, really good, and... You know, of course, the, she was met with the typical sexist, misogynist um, complaints that she never played baseball. How can she know what she's talking about? Meanwhile, she was raised in a baseball family where her father played, brothers played, coached. Um, you she know, played she softball. You know, She played softball. You know, she played gold medal softball in Athens and silver medal in Beijing. She was an All-American. She was All-Pac-10. You know, she knows her shit. Well, it's so not, it's also you know, there's
1: plenty of play by play guys out there who didn't play baseball.
2: Of course. And no one bring, you know, that's not oh, an John argument. John
1: Sterling, you never played the game, you asshole. Like, no, yeah. like, we, we hate him for other reasons, but not for that reason.
2: And a, and then uh, some another person actually complained that she was too knowledgeable, which I thought was <laughs> the funniest thing <laughs> ever. Awesome. But yeah. I think it's about time. Because it's 2015, and I went to college to become a sports broadcaster. Obviously, that didn't happen. But I started college in 1992. And the fact that it took until 2015 for a woman to be heard on a nationally broadcast baseball game is absurd to me. But I'm so happy that it finally happened. And that people are appreciating the work that she's doing. And I also would like to thank Schilling for being batshit crazy and for posting all (laughs) that nonsense and getting her in there because, you know, she'll be doing this Sunday's game, which I think is Baltimore and uh, Kansas City. And then next weekend's the Subway Series. So she'll be doing that game too. Nice, nice. And she'll be probably, I guess she'll be doing the wild card game Oh yeah. Oh that Which was Which is fun. that's they have the one I think the I think they have one of the play in games. So um it should be really cool to see how she progresses as the games go on. I mean she's doing a really great job and it's not because she's a woman and because I'm a woman. She's just really it's pleasant to listen to and like I said, she elevates the people that she's on the broadcast with and it's refreshing from previous five months of nonsense that's been on sunday night baseball
1: <laughs> i'm gonna miss keith law tweeting at kurt Schilling uh, evolution facts but oh. um so uh my closing thought tonight is uh i'm reporting back from a trip i made it was actually a, a few months back but we weren't podcasting too much so i went down to uh tijuana uh, to see the tijuana el toros play Uh, in the Mexican league and it was an experience oh my god it was this fun um so you walk into the stadium and at first glance it's a baseball stadium it looks like a baseball stadium it's about the size of a you know decent sized triple a stadium it is packed people are having fun um and you know the teams come out they look like triple a baseball players you know they're everything is familiar and then start they start playing and it just starts getting weird so one thing, number one, twelve cheerleaders, twelve huge pack of cheerleaders, accompanied by four different mascots, right? So there there are twelve cheerleaders and four mascots entertaining, and they're not just like entertaining in between innings. In between every single pitch, they do something. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and in between every pitch, some music is playing, and they'll have the 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 stadium camera, you know, for the big jumbotron will appear on someone, right? And it will, it will look at that someone, and first off, that, that person, whoever they are, is expected to get up and dance or something along those lines. And the music that they play will be, like, themed to that person. Now, most of it was in Spanish, so I, I didn't uh, I didn't really see it very much. But at one point, they, they, they put on a, a, a girl with a big butt and played Sir Mix-a-Lot. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's the kind of thing that was happening at this game. There was crazy food going on the stands like there there the the, the the food selections at this baseball game were amazing. I mean there was just like just like plates of meat, people walking around selling plates of meat for like 100 pesos. Um, you know there was uh, the, the, there was a, a better beer selection than a Yankee game I've been doing anytime soon. It was a fun experience. And just just to show you how much how, how baseball it was. There were major league baseball players who were on both teams. And, uh, in true major league baseball fashion, Unieski Betancourt, uh, was there. Unieski Betancourt last played for the Milwaukee Brewers at first base. And that wow. was the worst baseball player of all time over a single season when he last played with the Milwaukee Brewers. And, uh, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting next to my girlfriend and I, and then I see, I see him in the first inning. He walks up to the plate and I go, that's Unieski Betancourt. And he promptly grounds into a double play. <laughs> so nothing has changed. Uh, <laughs> I highly recommend the Mexican League to anybody who could who could possibly watch it. Um, the reason why this kind of hit my mind is, in addition to the Mexican League, um, I was watching an episode on Netflix of Anthony Bourdain: Parts Unknown, a show a show that I, I have a lot of, I, I I really do love. And uh, he went to Cuba, and he went to a uh, a uh, a Cuban League game, a what series National game. Mm. and it looked wonderful it looked just absolutely stupendous and i cannot wait till the day that i'm allowed to travel to cuba and i get to go to a cuban baseball game see um, that would be
2: yeah that would be something on my bucket list that and going to japan and watching a game in japan
1: oh that'd be amazing wouldn't it
2: yeah.
1: um so i if you live in california tijuana el toros they're not far out of the city of tijuana it's it's a ten dollar twenty dollar cab ride to get out there the tickets were i think the equivalent of about five bucks and it is an experience it is so much fun oh uh, uh, speaking
2: of the money um the plate of meat. what's 100 pesos
1: uh not much uh okay. I, my girlfriend who actually uh is mexican understands these things better than i do so i just <laughs> i just gave her money and she made things happen so uh, <laughs> uh but um one of the other great things is they they surround the rims of, of beer. This isn't just at baseball games, but in in, Mex- in, in northern Mexico, with uh, like a chili sauce. Oh, oh, I know. I mean, it, it looked pretty good. No, um, oh,
2: that sounds good.
1: Yeah, I, I I mean, I can't touch spicy food, but uh,
2: it, oh, I'm it sorry. Cool.
1: Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but also plates of fruit, awesome. But moving on. Uh, uh, That's about all we have for today. Uh, Thank you guys for listening to us. We wanted to keep this, you know, not too long since it's a nice day off, and we'll be back probably in two weeks uh, for uh, more. It's about the Yankees Stupid Podcast. Good night, Stacy. Good
2: night.
0: At Jared, we know devotion isn't a -a once-a-year occasion, and once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.